If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you on a Balls Wednesday. How you doing out there? Man, week's going quick, isn't it? Going quick. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. That is Director Matthew. You're you. You're here. I appreciate that. Come on in and let's talk. Let's have a good day together, shall we? A couple hours to spend in the middle of your afternoon. I appreciate that always. You're out there busy working wherever you might be. That was loud and weird all of a sudden in my head. <laughs> Don't know what happened there. Uh, you didn't hear it? You did hear it too? Yeah, it was out there. Who knows what's going on? Uh, the Gremlins are in the system early. I don't care. It's too beautiful out to get into any kind of a, uh interaction with those bastards. Let's get straight to It's uh, going to be great. We get to hear from what will likely be Florida State starting quarterback this year where the expectations are very, very high. And the buzz from a 13-0 season did not get, uh, I don't think, quelled by by what happened in that exhibition game. People treated it as such, uh, were saddened by what it rendered that game to be, but the, but the overall momentum of the program, I don't think, was slowed down in any way. And then it was only bolstered by the fact 
that Florida State went and filled a lot of needs. It, let's go back and, and lead up to this point. We're about to hear the audio from DJ here in a second. But, you know, you, you think about the end of the year. We've It's been well-traveled road. And what happened with the injuries and, and the way that Florida State was limited in a lot of ways, not just not getting the opportunity to play in the in the college football invitational, uh, but, but also uh, because their offense couldn't be their offense at the end of the year and they had so many guys get hurt and they overcame all of those things and they just kept finding ways to win games in the conference championship and put on a, a performance for the ages defensively in that game. Because they were able to do that, I think it carried over. I, and, and then the thought was kind of like, well, all right, we've got to get back to reality. We, we're not going to be the same program. We're going to have to – let's see how the young guys do. Let's see how the next man up approach works because I don't think we're going to have a huge in, uh, influx of transfer portal players. We The thought was, and I can tell you that the mindset was, I, I, I don't mind saying this, that, all right, look, you, you've – You've done a good job of raising the talent floor, and you got some guys ready to step in. Use Brock Lynn as a perfect example. Like, okay, well, he's going to have to go through this season, and hopefully by the end of it, we'll like what we see. We feel good about the talent and the toughness, but, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. It always happens. And then, then all of a sudden, that position, there was a bridge brought in. Uyunglele comes in. And you get excited because of how much football he's played, and you realize the potential with the the you know the the numbers, the size, and you think, okay, well that that's kind of interesting. All right, so we got a bridge quarterback, and then you you know at the same time you have all those Alabama kids come in, and you fill positions of need with experience. You get your best recruiting class under Mike Norvell. That's not to say that there weren't mistakes made or frustrations. There are. Florida State should have capitalized more, in my opinion, on a 13-0 season. They should have done better with high school recruiting. Uh, you know, they lose out on the five-star kids still, and they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to do better there. Um, but they do enough to have his best class, and the trend upward continues. But one by one, as you listen to those interviews with the newer players and all the newcomers in general, and you hear the way they talk about the program and their perceptions of it, you can't help, again, to be excited about what's going to happen, at the very least, right around the corner in spring football. Because there's a lot of unknowns in terms of how guys will fit, even if they're players that you've seen elsewhere. How will Florida State use them? How will Florida State... You know, at competition, we're going to see a lot of intense competition in the spring. That's good for any program. That's good, period. You want competition at all times. Brings out the best in everybody. Then your head coach is downright giddy about the group, and he's talked about that most recently in Orlando. But he's, whenever he's had an opportunity, he's talked about it. So it's exciting. And then today, finally, it kind of culminates with we get to hear from DJ. And, and I wanted to lead with that today. Because I think uh, that, honestly, how he plays will go a long way in whether or not you're on the over side of nine and a half, which yesterday, Tom, we found out is the number for Florida State at FanDuel. Uh, nine and a half, that'll, I think, pretty much be across the board. It'll be nine and a half. Interesting that in the ACC, you have three teams at nine and a half. 
Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. Boy, those are really high expectations for Miami. A program who annually disappoints in a way that is profound to that fan base. They must be on eggshells because every year they say, it's our time, we're back, and it just never happens, and it 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 never happens. And at some point, they're like, well, is it ever going to happen? I was young when I told people, Steve, that we'd be back, and I'm 52, and we suck still. It's been never happening. I don't believe it's going to happen. But that's them. We'll let them worry about the never happening part. We just went 13-0. and And prior to that, won 10 games. It's always happening around here. So that's the good news, and let's see if we can continue it and improve upon and not have to take a step back at all. With that as the backdrop, let's hear from DJ earlier today. I like the order of this. Tom, we uh, really quick, uh, hope you're doing well, buddy. Um. <laughs> I'm doing well. My favorite comment in a long time uh, is uh, Chris who says he thought he was caught in a time loop. <laughs> so do they. So do they. Uh, so does Miami. Yeah. So does Miami, yes. So, so uh, the order of things, if I'm – to see this correctly, I think we we wanted to talk a little bit about um, him sitting down and, and talking with Mike Norvell and the way that Mike Norvell uh, kind of vetted him and him, Norvell, and, and the program. We know that DJ also talked to Jordan Travis, so you're going to hear a clip about that as well. And then we're going to get the assessment of DJ's game uh, and it, from his own lips, what he thinks about his strengths and, and you know what he brings to the table as a quarterback. Uh, I'm excited. This is good stuff. Yeah, what sets the stage for the first clip is is that Mike Norvell, the way he recruited DJU when he was on campus, and as you recall, that interview when he left Moore, he seemed pretty pumped about what Florida State was. And and the tactic was Mike Norvell came prepared with three games of DJU's film that he wanted to go over with. DJ in the room, mano a mano, offensive mind, quarterback. Let's see how we look here. And, and that's something that... You don't really hear about, uh, but in the transfer portal days, I guess that that would be more routine. It's not something you would do with a high school quarterback and say, all right, I don't care about anything else. <laughs> and you don't care about anything else. Let's get yeah. to the film. But when you have somebody who's been around at two different programs, this is his last stop. Mike got down to business when DJU uh, arrived on campus. Good stuff. And with that, let's listen. Here's DJU. I've been through the fluff of recruiting. Like that stuff doesn't really matter to me anymore. Like for me, I don't I don't really care what the facilities look like. Like all I just need is a football, and that's about it. And some shoulder pads and a helmet, I'll be good to go. And a playbook. So for him to be able to sit down with me and watch three games of everything, have his thoughts about how I played, things where I can get better at, things I did well, and be me be able to talk to him, asking him, like, hey, how would you do this? Or like, what is this play? Would you run this in the offense? Or what do you guys think about this? Or he would ask me like, what was your read here? How do you guys see the defense or how you guys read this play? Something similar in their offense. It was cool because for me, man, that's all I want to do. I want to continue to keep getting better as a quarterback, continue to learn. And Coach Norvell, he's an extremely smart coach. And for me, that was a big reason why I wanted to be here. I wanted to learn from him and to be able to get developed under him. Good stuff, man. I love it. I love it. I think Mike Norvell has got to be giddy to hear his response and the way that he responded to that, in a way, challenge 
of sitting there and picking apart who you are, what you are as a quarterback, and what he's going to challenge you to be. And that's been the big success, I think the kernel of success they can dangle out there to transfer portal players is, hey, man, you may have been good wherever you were. You may have been wanted by everybody uh, where where you're coming from. And once you announced that you were going into the portal – uh, but 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 I'm not here to kiss the ring. I'm here to tell you, here's what you can do a lot better. I'm going to make you better. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to force you to take the next step, either as a leader, if that's what you need, or as a, a player physically. The things you could get more out of your overall talents uh, will re- we'll refine that and get the most out of you. Whatever it might be, we're going to elevate it. And players have responded to that time and again, so much so that that's the reputation. And now people knock on the door and you've got to turn people away. You have a greater selection of talent to choose from in the portal. You know, this isn't always, and and in many ways you can point to failures in the transfer portal around the country. Uh, For those that have tried to go in as hard as Florida State has and maybe not had the same kind of success, And I think at the core of why Florida State does have success is that they haven't been kiss-ass in this process. It has been about the challenge. It has been about the focus of getting better and not, hey, please, please, please come here. We need you. That's not what they do at all, at all. And they really haven't even when they should have been, please, please, please come here. We really need you. Going back to when we were a 5-7 and team and you desperately needed to raise the floor of talent, Mike wasn't about that. He wasn't going to go out there and be like, well, you know, you're better than anything I got. So if you want to come here, there's a place for you. That's not how they did it. It was like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to cut corners. Uh, Obviously I'm on the phone with you. I care uh, about upgrading my roster. If you couldn't play, we wouldn't be talking, but that's not what this is. There's a mutual interest here. Now let's talk about what we both can get out of this and how it's going to work. I like it. Next, he talked to Jordan Travis And that's a good idea because Jordan Travis was here playing quarterback for Mike Norvell for a long time. I got to talk to him um, before I took my official visit. I talked to him two days beforehand. I just had a couple questions I want to ask him because for the most part, I knew a couple players that played here. I knew Micah, I knew Johnny, uh, I knew AJ, and just a couple other guys playing against him. I kind of had my thoughts on what I knew about Florida State, about the coaching staff. But obviously, I want to ask Jordan because he played in this offense for some time now, and he was right there in the thick of it with Coach Norvell and Coach Tokart. So I wanted to ask him a couple questions about the program, how are they as coaches off the field, how are they as, as men. And he had nothing but great things to say. And we, that comes from your starting quarterback for a couple years now. I mean, that's all you need to hear. So when I, once I heard that, it kind of proved all my points that I had, thought about Coach Norvell and all the other coaches here. And it kind of just like, well, that just solidified it then. There's no one else I really need to talk to. You know, it's cool. I think that if you're in an interview setting and you're Jordan Travis or a current player on the roster at any point over the last several years and you're being interviewed and a question comes up about your head coach or a question comes up about scheme, let's say, or other teammates, you know, unless you're a complete dolt, you're always going to say nice things. You're certainly not going to say things that, would ruin the reputation of your coach, create an environment of friction for yourself. You're going to say what you think the reporter probably wants to hear and allows you to get to the next question and that much sooner get out the door. You're not going to bring up some of the foibles of uh, what a player is or what a coach is or what the system does or doesn't do. 
Where you're apt to tell the truth, I think, are on these visits. If you're a recruit coming to town and there's a kid who's hosting you and there are things about the position group that he likes and doesn't like and the coaching staff that he likes and doesn't like or what it's like to live here or any of the things that somebody might ask visiting a program uh, that they were vetting as to whether or not they wanted to bank their future on. Uh, and, and attending and those kinds of questions, cause players are real with players and they'll say to a guy, Hey, listen, let me tell you, there's a lot of good things here. Heads up. So-and-so can be a bit of an ass on a daily basis and it can be tough dealing with him. You know, when they recruited me, I kind of thought it was going to be this way. It turned out to be that way. Some of that was good. Some of that was bad and everything in between. So why am I bringing that up? Well, based on his body language, based on the enthusiasm in his voice, based on what we know Jordan Travis to be, who he was when he arrived, who he was when he left, the maturation process, the way that he improved in a way that I've never seen a quarterback improve. Jordan Travis went from not good, period, to very good. And it's pretty rare. I'm not saying development doesn't happen for players, but when you're lacking certain things as a quarterback and we just don't see it, you're devoid of it. And some of those things are accuracy or your ability to pre-snap, read a defense, the kinds of things that are on the checkmark list of quarterback evaluations to suddenly not only being able to do those things, but do them exceptionally well to you become one of the best college quarterbacks in the nation. Then, you know, that the process has worked, the development has worked, the assessment, the evaluation, and it's neat to hear Jordan Travis then behind the scenes, according to DJ, where I think an honest conversation would happen, Jordan Travis rave reviews about what it means to play in this offense, what it means to play for Mike Norvell, what it's like to be here at Florida State at the position that has the greatest spotlight upon it and the most amount of pressure, and the intensity of all of that, right? You're in a fishbowl. Jordan Travis's opinion after all of this time through many ups and downs is that Mike Norvell is great to play for, the offense is fun to run, etc. Final part, DJ assessing his game, evaluations from DJ Uwe about what kind of quarterback he is. I feel like I bring great leadership. I bring, I bring like a dog mentality. Come out here ready to work. And now on the field, man, I feel like I do really do. I feel like I push the ball down the field really well. It's something I want to do. Throw the rock. I feel like I can create plays inside the pocket, whatever that's getting out or making, making people miss inside the pocket and making the throws down the field. Um, not scared of contact. I don't shy away from contact at all. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to continue to get working on. Am I perfect? No, not from it, far from it. But each and every day I want to get on the field and want to strive to be, be able to be perfect in each and way I, I work from the times of just being in tour of duty, the times of lifting, and then just throwing receivers and being up on the board. There's a lot of things I want to continue to work on, footwork, different stuff, accuracy, pushing the ball down the field. I feel like for me there's, there's, there's not just one thing I'm working on right now. I feel like my whole game I want to continue to get better at. Let me tell you why that's important. My assessment of DJ at Clemson was that he did not run like a man. He did not run like somebody who likes contact. He did not run like somebody who's 250 plus pounds. He did not run 
like a player who understood that he had an advantage at that height, that size. Now, I don't want anybody to mistake this. He's not a burner. The kind of runner I'm talking about with DJ is much more methodical. He, he doesn't have a – well, he's certainly not going to have Jordan Travis's speed. Very few people do. But when you're that big and that strong, you should never be hesitant to get after it in the run game. You have an advantage. God forbid some poor bastard in the secondary has to come up and tackle you. You got to lay the wood. You got to be a guy who punishes people for coming up to tackle you. It's, an, it's like when you watch a big man in basketball who refuses to play big. It'll drive you nuts. And I didn't think DJ, my personal assessment at Clemson, was he was not a willing runner. He did not want to run. There were opportunities for that young man to dominate people, to, to truck somebody, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Somewhere in his maturation, in his growth as a quarterback, in his understanding of the position, he would take on that role later on. You can find runs from Oregon State – where he's taking punishment, delivering punishment, staying on his feet, fighting for the extra yard. You didn't see a lot of it at Clemson. So he's gotten better. He's gotten uh, to, to a place where he has a, a greater wherewithal of that advantage. We already know he possesses the big arm down the field. He's got to get better and more accurate in a lot of other areas. I like that he's honest about that, understands it, and wants to do it. I like that he talks about openly he's willing to run. Yes, that's music to my ears. You guys guessed that. Everything about that today was good. It's just an interview. Just an interview. He's got to go play football. But he didn't lose that interview. He certainly won in all the right ways. And he also took a snapshot of the behind-the-scenes process of how it is Florida State recruits transfer portal players and their potential. It's great. It's It continues to be consistent and worth getting into the, the the details about it's why they continue to win in the portal. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips? We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer, giant thing, no. and Zaxby's. Don't worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around, find you a Zaxby's, and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So were you as fired up as I was about uh, that? 
what DJ had to say, the demeanor, the body language, the confidence, the focus, all, all the whole package there. Let's hope he takes that next step. One would think, one would think that this is going to be his best season as a college football player. He's played a ton. He's been in big games. He's been in big moments. He's failed. He's succeeded. Everything in between. Played in the East, played in the West. He's traveled. He's done all the things. I mean, he's he's really, I think, poised to probably have a huge year. Whatever his potential is, I think you've got an opportunity to bring it out of him here. It's a money year. All the factors that weigh into this, right? If he wants to get paid big time and go play professional football, he's got to have a great year. Mike and the team still really hungry after being snubbed with talent to fall back on emerging wide receivers. There's a veteran depth to this team to go along with added speed. There's just no reason to think that Florida State can't be really good this year. And I think better than most of us thought when season when the season ended. And and Vegas has it at nine and a half. I alluded to that at the top of the show. I'll go over. I'm more bullish than most on Florida State this year. I've said, and I'll repeat it, I think the offense will probably be better than it was a year ago. Some of that is me banking on two things. Much better injury luck. Crazy amounts of injuries on one side of the ball last year, unlike any time that I have ever covered this team every week and there was things that we couldn't talk about and it drove me nuts and I didn't you know you're already stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to injuries as a talk show host because I get everybody gets hurt playing football and if you talk about it too much it sounds like you're making excuses but they were winning games so there were no excuses to be made it was just that the winning margin wasn't always what we wanted it to be and it wasn't always aesthetically pleasing as it needed to be given the talent you had, but when you find out somebody was playing at 50% and you can't talk about it, and another guy is playing with a torn this or a pulled that, and another guy who's at a skill position can barely run, and guys are having to get shot up to play in the game, and they're showing you that kind of heart, and you don't want to rip that, but you know it's nothing close to what they're capable of. It's just maddening. So if you avoid you know, a, a series of really bizarre uh, and and really a piling on effect uh, of injury. If you avoid that and you just have the normal football season, guys are going to get hurt. It is a war of attrition. It is football. It's a violent game played at great speed, and these are big dudes. Somebody's going to get hurt. Got it. But I can't have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dudes getting hurt on one side of the ball and expect that I'm going to be nearly as efficient. So there's that. And then I think the other part of it is I really believe, and I could be proven wrong, could be proven wrong. Don't think I will be, but I could be proven wrong. How quickly can that can that synergy be built because between quarterback and receiver? Because I think you got a guy who could be a star. I've referenced Akeem Williams a lot. There was a moment in the year at practice, which translated very briefly in a game, where I thought, there it is. It's happening. The spark is there. We're going to see it. It's only going to get better as the year goes on. He'll get more ABs. It's going to be by season's end that we look at this guy and project him to be an all-ACC caliber player. But then injury hit him too. 
and he really never got another opportunity after that. He couldn't. And so I'm going to project that he has a massive impact this year to go along with others. If those two are on the same page and the others contribute, and you get the Alabama guys, the offensive guys on Alabama, who add a lot, man, I I just don't know how they wouldn't be better. I I think it's a no-brainer. One thing I like about the DJU development, having him in the fold here, is yeah, he's from the West Coast. Uh, you know, he played, he considers himself a Cali guy. So that means that you're playing in some different temperatures and climates than here. Then after being in the South, playing in essentially what is Southeastern Conference footprint weather, you go to Pacific Northwest weather at Corvallis and you play in the rain and you play in the wind. And for a schedule this year that features Dublin, a trip to Notre Dame in November, a place that he's played very well in the past, might might I add, his best in the game COVID ever. season. If you do what you are supposed to do and play in Charlotte in December, and let's say you win that football game, but maybe, just maybe, you're not one of the top eight national seeds at that point, and you have to go on the road and play a road game against another college football playoff team that's in the bad weather you got a kid whose arm travels everywhere. You like to talk about it with the, the ground game, and I think we're trying to get tougher there, that that travels. That arm looked just as strong in Corvallis as it did in 95-degree weather down in the southeastern part of the country. I love that little part of it, in addition to the fact that he is a large human being who is not afraid of contact. There are games in terrible Pac-12 northwestern weather where you see him running over dudes, where that kind of stuff, it's just these little details that you need to add up. You know, this year, I think, is about the little things adding up more than it is about the stars coming to shine. And these are some details that fit very nicely for what our schedule lays out to be, what college football looks like now with a 12-team playoff. It's a good fit. And let's just see. If he throws for over 62 63% completion percentage, then I think you're right. This offense will be more productive than last year. That's going to be the number one number for me to look at. There are better ones that are more specific, but just the base numbers. If he can get into that mid-60% range in completion percentage, man, the sky's the limit because you know we're taking shots downfield this You year. can scheme wide open throws. The big playability should be there because you can stretch a defense and force them to defend the entire field. That's what you've brought in now to go along with the quick game, to go along with what should be an improved running game. Florida State lost a ton on first down last year. They were constantly behind the chains. The offensive line was substandard, did not play as well as we thought it would going into the season. They've got to be better. There are a lot of things there a lot of data points along the way that have to be better for my prediction that the offense will be better to come true I'm predicting those things will happen Uh, you bring in uh, a big time offensive lineman you bring back some offensive linemen that now are going to be in year two of the system so they'll 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 get bigger and stronger they'll have a better uh feel for it a familiarity with it uh you have plenty of talent at running back you you have a six seven tight end uh, so you're not devoid there. You lose everybody there, and he'll probably take another big step forward too. I mean, last year was a hell of an adjustment to come from shorter college to Florida State and to not be, you know, the top guy or anything close to it, to outplay an existing tight end, to take over the role as the second tight end, and to get opportunities and at times make some big plays. One can guess that he's only going to take another big step forward. I just think it's in place. I really do. I think the offense will be better and I think more consistent. And then I think defensively, I have more questions 
But I do think it was – how could you not think that it was absolutely huge? Uh, tip of the cap to the battle's in. Uh, you know, you, you bring back a Josh Farmer who's only getting better. He's better year over year. Yeah, we put up with headaches off the field because he's a kid and immature, but he's getting – you know, he's back, and he's a hell of a football player. Daryl Jackson finally gets to play football for Florida State. Really never got an opportunity at all. I don't even really count the Georgia game. So that kid will be in the fold the whole way. You bring in the kid from Oregon. You bring in the kid from West Virginia. Uh, you, you know, just I think you have an emerging star in Patrick Payton. He's going to be a star, period. And I, and that's an NFL player. So there's a guy coming off the edge. Let's see how much better you are at linebacker. That's a big question mark. Uh, I hope it's better. I, I think you've got a couple people that are candidates to be uh, good players there. I'm not sure they're done. Somebody in the chat mentioned, well, you're a little worried about the overall depth of defensive tackle as opposed to the top three in terms of talent. You know, listen, let's not forget in this process that Florida State has had success bringing in players at the end of spring. We've seen guys – well, Keon Coleman. So you can go out and bring a big-time player in – once you kind of assess that roster and players elsewhere assess their place in a roster, and, you know, the next thing you know, you're bringing in a kid that you think, hey, this could work. Look, think about Fisk not being able to participate in spring. He was here. He was wearing a green jersey the whole time. Remember that? He didn't do anything. So yeah, you essentially Ken just had him for the fall. Correct. And Kentron was the wide receiver, too, after spring. You know, and, and he had a good spring camp. But Keon was not a part of the conversation at that point. Right. So, yeah, uh, you know, because there's another question in the chat that's that is asking, do you think we need to get another proven receiver? They will know after the spring game on April 20th, and their actions will tell you. It's it's much like the debate that we had about Tate Rodemaker. Would you run it back with him and Brock and see what you could do? Luke comes in and then see what you got for a year. I thought yes. You thought yes. Coaching staff thought no. I, we want DJU to come into town. Cam Ward, come on down. Let's see what you got. And the moment that they did that, the wheels were in motion where they're telling you loud and clear, this is not good enough. Yeah, what they what told you was – right, I'm sorry, Tom. What they told you was Tate, Tate Rodemaker wasn't good enough. And right. that they and they didn't want to force Brock to have to be the guy next year, and they had an opportunity. Now, they knew, they knew DJ wanted to be here. I mean, I think he made that abundantly clear after his visit that he wanted to be here and nowhere else. They were waiting to do the compare, contrast, interview process, Cam, figure out what he wants, all of those things. Then you have a pick of the litter because Florida State's in a good spot. You're, you're correct. I interrupted you. But the point would be, like, I, I think that was really more of an indictment of Tate Rodemaker. I think they had seen all they needed to see of Tate. They were done with Tate. They were done with Tate. And that was the encouragement to take it on down the road. But it goes to show you in that instance, that's somebody who's been a program guy, been around for a long time in this offense, has uh, – I mean, an intimate understanding of what the offense does. And they say, we would rather bring in one uh, a dude mm -hmm. who is going to have to learn on the fly. Mm -hmm. And to me, that that's a healthy thing because they're willing to assess outside of loyalty to program and say, look, bottom line, is he good enough? Yes or no? And they're willing to say the hard answer. That's a hard sell. Like, man, this, this kid's been around for a long time. This is his shot. This is his opportunity. And they're saying, mm, we're going to project, even during bowl practices, and that's why on Christmas Day what happened happened, but we're going to project, even during bowl practices and this transfer portal window opening, that we need to upgrade at this position. So what, what I mean by all of that is when we get to late April, early May, 
they are prepared. They have proven to you that they are more than prepared to be cut and dry about what they do need to get better. And Spring will do a lot to, you know, flesh it all out. Your modus operandi is to rely heavily to this point on the portal. You can't be worried about feelings. You got to do it the right way. You got to do it with integrity, but you got to be honest with yourself and the kid. And they have recruited over a ton of kids. They've brought in a ton of people from outside the program when they determined that what they had wasn't good enough. It's about wins and losses. It's about talent acquisition. And because they've done it with integrity, they can. it's kind of like insulting people and, and having them laugh about being insulted. If they know it comes from a good place, they're not going to fight you. I, I think it's understandable to say to somebody after several years that you still don't feel comfortable with them starting. It's probably time for us mutually to come to a to grips with the idea that you need to take it somewhere else. And I'm glad because you can't afford to be the other way if this is how you're going to build your program. Now, I bet you this will wane to some degree. They will continue to be, um, you know, a, a person that a, a team, a program that utilizes uh, obviously the portal. That makes complete sense. You don't want to be a dinosaur. You don't want to be uh, Wuhan Dabo. But uh, you, you you got to continue to use it, but also build it up, build it up, build it up through the high school ranks with the elite offensive and defensive linemen that you win on that day, the five-star kids, and then you're not requiring as much from the portal. I just I like the assessment process. I like the way they go about cutting ties when they have to. Uh, I don't think you can ever, if you're trying to be, and you got to be that way with yourself too. I think you got to be that way about your coaching staff. You got to look in the mirror and say, are we getting it done here or not? Is this guy a good recruiter or not? Are we learning what we need to learn? Are guys improving along the way? If the answer is yes, great. If not, we got to fire their ass and move on. This is how you build championship programs. The number one thing, you know, if you're talking specifically about offensive production and, and can it be better than last year? You know, DJ, just watching him in depth, there'll, there'll be some features coming out where Dominic Robinson goes through the film and you can kind of see some more in-depth. The 22, because it's just it's so much easier to derive where a quarterback's eyes are, how quickly they process information. This is a kid who goes one to five in the progressions. He can. He, you could tell he's been a quarterback and a specialized asset at that position for a long time because there's refinement to his game. The strange thing is, at times, there will be layups, and he just, he just misses, misses it. wide. Yep. That's where the wide open layup. If, if you can take that out of his game, the production goes through the roof. It's already good because he doesn't turn the ball over, but there are just times where he'll make the correct read. A guy is wide open, and either the throw is just outright missed, or it's on the wrong shoulder, and something that could have been a big gain, a guy's knee touches the ground because he's got to break back on the ball, and it's a gain of seven instead of all of the yardage that's in front of him. That's the one thing that I don't know how you fix that. It almost feels like akin to a receiver who has issues with drops. Like, I don't know how you fix that particular issue. But if Mike Norvell can do it, man, then this kid's numbers could go through the roof, like really, really high and really, really productive. And he could be in some of the big conversations towards the end of the season. We fixed a bunch of stuff about Jordan Travis, and we got Johnny Wilson to catch the ball more frequently than he did, certainly upon his arrival when he left Arizona State. He uh, couldn't catch. We brought him in, said that catching the ball would be problematic. It was problematic. It was bad at times, but he was a boomer bust guy that made you better, and then he got better. He had one horrific game this year in which he dropped everything thrown to him, and then from there, other than the injuries, which, you know, not his fault, he caught the ball. He was very consistent. He got better. So there is, there are ways, probably more ways than I would have ever thought possible prior to this past 
you know, two years. I've been very impressed. Very impressed that they have figured that out. Uh, when we come back, I'll chuck this thing through the back window over here. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. All right, friends, let's talk about Factor. That's right, two-minute meals, fuel you up fast. Factor's restaurant quality meals at that, ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I use them for my family. I use them every day to eat nutritiously, but also I'm on the go, and I want something calorie smart. There are times where I'll go a week worth of factors for lunch, and I'll just go vegan or veggie. Other times I go pure keto. I can worry about, you know, whether it's vegetable uh, base or protein based or meat based or whatever it might be, they have the options for you all the way around. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout every time you do it. It's also flexible to your schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash Cameron 50. I'm going to save you some money, guys. Do it up. It's delicious. Cameron 50. Use code Cameron 50 to get 50% off. That's code Cameron50 at factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off. Trust me, delicious. You'll thank me. A lot of variety. Tasty. Factormeals.com slash Cameron50. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. It's Jeff Cameron show rolling on, and it is also Balls McWednesday. And I guess uh, for those that celebrate, it is uh, Valentine's Day. I don't know. Uh, never been my cup of tea. I've never cared about Valentine's Day even a little bit. I always thought it sucked. Still do. Luckily, luckily. My wife thinks it stinks too, so we don't even bother. I'll do some grilling. I'll do some grilling on this Valentine's Day. Our anniversary was on Sunday, so I don't have to ever really worry about it, Tom. I just do the old, hey, we're good to go. Anniversary was Sunday. No need to celebrate this made for uh, TV nonsense. So that's the end of it. It's made for retail sales of course it is it's a made-up holiday it's nonsense um but i'll I'll do something i'll do something fun for for the kids you know i guess i I don't want to ruin it for the kids all right kids it's valentine's day i went uh to uh social kitchen i rubbed the meats here you go we're good to go it's off of carry force i'll actually tell you what they're doing over there in a minute so i i think it's time I mean, we're done with this, right? It doesn't ring. Listen to how it's not ringing. It's nonsense. Broken. Tried to fix it earlier. Listen to that dead ass. Nothingness. Just nonsense. Hey, right, back to sucking. Um, you know, go on the road last night to face Virginia Tech. Kept it close. Make key mistakes, critical moments late in the game. 83-75, Virginia Tech, your winner. Middle of the pack ACC team that you had to beat. You couldn't. And Florida State now is doomed. Don't know that they'll make the NIT. Hence, this nonsense. And the beep beep is celebrating with a pack of cools. 
or the ding. No, the ding ding is the one that's broken. Yeah, the beep people be here any day now. Uh, Virginia Tech started with a 10-2 run in the second half, two wide open threes. Those are the only kind of threes that are shot by our opponents. They're the wide open variety every game we play. Every single one of them. 49-41 at that point, 16-30 to play. We cut it to a one-possession game because, of course, we did. It gets your hopes up. Instead of going to bed, you sit up straight, put the pillow behind your neck so that you can watch the rest, even though you know deep in your heart they're going to lose. So there you are watching with another wide-open three. And that was uh, the Hunter Kids' fourth. That makes it 65-56, six minutes to play. You take your glasses off. You tell the missus you're going to turn the TV off, as she's asked you to do. But because you're a knoll, you can't bring yourself to it. So you lie. And you don't turn off the television. And you hope she doesn't turn back over to bother you. So then you're hanging in there, hanging in, and you never get it closer to five points. And now you lose 83-75. 13 and 11, 7 and 6 in the ACC, fall to a three-way tie for fifth in the uh, conference. Uh, that's uh, you know that's about it. Watkins was great, 26 points, seven of nine from the field, three of three from beyond the arc, nine of 11 on the free throw line, six boards, four assists, two steals, three block shots. You got Darren Green uh, to emerge from what had been a prolonged shooting slump. He scored 14, 50% from beyond the three-point line. That's nice. Uh, but um, it's it's slipping away. I, I You got to play spoiler on Saturday at the TLC Double C against a top-10 Duke team who's 19-5, and 10-3 and three in the ACC. Uh, you got to salvage something to have a winning season. The postseason is beginning to fade and fade rapidly, and I'm tired of it. I want to care about college basketball. I love Leonard Hamilton. I've said that a million times over. Results matter. We're not winning games in the fashion that is acceptable. And uh, that's, I mean, we're that's where we're at. That's the fair assessment. Would you agree? Yeah, 5 o'clock first pitch Friday night. We'll see how the baseball team does. Uh, tomorrow night at 4 o'clock down in Clearwater, softball takes uh, on Stanford. And then you'll – I mean, you're going to tune in on Saturday, but you're going to be sort of saying, come on, come on, guys, just show me something. Show me a little something. It just – it doesn't have the same juice. I get that it's a top-10 team coming to town, but since it's not Coach K and it's John Shire with Mike Patrick in tow probably as a sports information director, it's not – it's not the same. So hopefully, hopefully, though, uh, Saturday afternoon in your Noel group texts, everybody starts getting actors saying, hey, you guys seeing this? You guys you guys seeing what's going on here? And Florida State makes a run of it. But um, one magical week in Washington, D.C., that's all they have left because they needed to go on a run against the teams from Virginia, and uh, they did the opposite of that. I see Mike in the chat, legendary former radio man. Mike, I will find you on Saturday. I, I did get your email. I have not responded, but I will reach out to you and we'll figure it out. I've got a, a Saturday thing I got to do later in the day, uh, but I will get together and have an icy cold one with you and, and, and we will talk it up and catch up on our lives. Um, yeah, it's uh, – golly, is it frustrating, Tom. 
It is so frustrating because I, I want it so bad for them. I like this team. I like these kids. I like the way that they kind of came back and got together and fought hard and went on that run, and that got your hopes up. Of course, you know I love Leonard, Stan. I love Chuck over there. We've got – I mean, it's been years together. It's been awesome, but you kind of feel like – you know, it's, if I were to continue to play the analogy game here, it's a little bit like you've had a good, long-running relationship. You've been together for 20-plus years, but how many times are we going to get in the car and start another fight? I can't keep doing this. I can't keep getting in the car thinking it's a simple trip up to Costco just to grab a few things we need around the house, and now we're yelling at each other. How long are we going to do this? I love you, woman, but this is getting old. That's where I'm at with Florida State basketball, right? I love you. This is getting old. Bitch, 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 bitch. (laughs) Well, that's a bad time for me to to chime in, but um, I I told you it's redundant with the turn signal. When you're in the turn lane, you don't need to have it on. (laughs) I don't. Why are we? Why are we yelling at each? It's a turn only. It's a turn only. Look, it's not even as though there's two lanes. It's the end of Buck Lake. You just you can't go anywhere but make a left. You have to turn there. I can't. Why do I need my turn signal? There's nobody oncoming. There's nothing. Same conversation every time. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.